What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I'm Turner, and I'm joining the studio with Rosie. Hey, <laughs> what's up, man? You're trying. You're doing a. You're doing a real cool, sexy slide voice. I was trying to do that late night radio host voice. <laughs> you're listening to K Jazz. <laughs> K Jazz. Coming up, we got Kenny G. <laughs> and <laughs> Kenny G and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> Wait, was it? Uh... <laughs> I recently re-listened to uh, Kanye West's go- first gospel album. Yeah, um, that he came out with, which is so good. Um, <laughs> but there's a song where all of a sudden he just has a Kenny G solo in it, <laughs> and it was so awesome. Like I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> Kenny, G's, Kenny G's awesome. Yeah, man. I think it was on uh, the song "Use This Gospel," but oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So what do you know, man? Hey. Uh, did you know? Did Did you know what the Cinco de Mayo is in celebration of? Uh, I think I used to actually know what this what what that was. Okay, well, how about this? Did you know that the Cinco de Mayo commemorates the newly independent country of Me- Mexico's victory over the French mm. at the B- Battle of Pueblo, which <laughs> meant that the French could not enter the Civil War on the side of the Confederacy. Oh. So how about this? Interesting. How, how Cinco de Mayo helped prevent a Confederate victory in the Civil War. <laughs> it says Cinco de Mayo actually marks the unlikely defeat of elite French forces by an undermanned Mexican army in the ba- Battle of Pueblo, Puebla. Puebla. Pueblex now with Latinx. Publix. No, no, no. The, yeah, Publix. The, Publix the, 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 the grocery store. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Latinx. Publix. <laughs> Pueblex. Pueblex. On uh, May 5th, uh, 1862. In fact, this underdog Mexican victory may have prevented, may have played a part in preventing French Emperor Napoleon III from helping the Confederacy during the American Civil War. <laughs> you know how they celebrated? <laughs> they stacked up there in summer. <laughs> I'm happy it got you like five hours later. Imagine now, imagine if we did the entire episode. No, we can't. It's <laughs> oh, an inside joke. Uh, I hate laughing. That's, that's a perfect, <laughs> dude. That's a perfect uh, encapsulation of what this episode was about. So I'm, <laughs> you're crying. <laughs> I'm literally crying. Uh, uh, so <laughs> just so for the listener, you 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 read something to me, and it was it's not appropriate for the air. It was just a in between you and me. But the the punchline was they stacked up their sombreros. <laughs> <laughs> so as you were reading this, it made me think about that. <laughs> I was trying not to laugh while you were reading it. Uh, anyways. Yeah. So uh, this uh, uh, this episode um, is pretty interesting. Yeah. And it came out on a spur of the moment. We, uh, we actually, we explained the rest on the other side. So the intro, why don't you sit grab? I ruined it. <laughs> you can't even say it. I can't say it. Oh. It's sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy.
You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. What's up, everybody? <laughs> that was like a quick. Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't realize the, yeah. <laughs> the intro music was done. <laughs> I meant to say something to you, and then I thought you were gonna pause it, and then <laughs> that's why. That's why I had that. Uh, uh, took that. Had to take that puff of nicotine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh, this is. We got to do some explaining. Yeah. We were going to do an episode on on one thing. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that, on one thing. And then as we kind of got into it, we were looking at it there and we realized maybe not. And so, <laughs> and then it became like, well, you came over to record and we only record once a week mm-hmm. and it's a, it's not, it's not easy to do this because you're busy. I'm busy. Yeah. And there's just a lot of time involved. And so, uh, we were talking about different things that we're interested in right now. And I was kind of like halfway under the opinion we were just going to not record at all. And That's what I was thinking too. Kind of writing it up as a loss. I was bummed, but I got to hang out with you. Yeah. And then we, were, we started talking about one specific thing and that drove me to pull out a book and I was reading about that one specific thing. And, and then, then we started yeah. rabbit trailing. <laughs> so we like, they, this is actually a good conversation. Let's, let's record it. Yeah. So we're going to try and recap what you and I have been talking about over the last hour. Not all of it, but <laughs> most of the, the, the things. Yeah, some because of it. What, what's so funny is, um, and this is kind of like my prayer or hope for this podcast. Yeah. Is So how about I'll say this to listeners. We hope that this comes across in some sort of, uh, we pray before the podcast. We pray before every podcast. Yeah. Before we hit record that God guides our words and guides the conversation or guides just the podcast in general as to some sort of uh, point. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Because like when you were saying just now of trying to recap what we were originally talking about, (laughs) we were originally talking about something so (laughs) outside of what – this ended up being, um, but at the same time, it flowed very naturally, at least in the in the conversation we were going into. And then, yeah, like you said, you pulled out a book, you read something, and all of a sudden, that triggered yeah. something else. And we had like a little mini research for like an hour, <laughs> like trying to find stuff like, huh. does this all make sense? Can we, is this even worth to bring up as a podcast can we make it work into right, a podcast yeah, right. and uh, i think it does but um i will preface this by saying this is all to say um hang with us listener <laughs> i think it's it, gonna go better okay than that. okay okay but it is on the fly yeah it literally is on the fly it came on the fly it uh and then now we're gonna talk about it so it, 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 it it's funny because it there's a couple different points that we're going to get into that it, I I never thought that we were going to go the way that we did, but it's so crazy and it, it it's so cool that it ends up like I kind of think of as three different topics that we're talking about. But they and do it connect. ties so much yeah. into even more than what we're just talking about. It goes <laughs> into some other stuff we've been talking about. So anyway, yeah. So 
All right. So the question we were taught, you and I were the the topic of the 144,000 came up, and this is in reference to Revelation chapter seven. So I'm just going to read this brief section of Revelation, and um, and then we'll. I'll go into it a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah. So out of Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, this is what it says. It says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or upon any of the trees. And I saw another angel ascend from the sun rising, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a great voice the four, to, to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we shall have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of them that were sealed, a hundred and forty-four thousand, sealed out of every tribe of the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into each one of the tribes. So it's it says, of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. And it goes Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. And it says, so those were the, there was 12,000 from each of those tribes. Yeah. And then I was like, um, so then that spurred me to think about, well, there's a, like there's, the tribes are different. Like there's something. Th- Those are not like the historical twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah, and because typically for me the one that struck me was Joseph. Normally mm-hmm. Joseph isn't named as one of the twelve tribes because he named his two sons Manasseh and Ephraim as the to replace. So usually Joseph is sort of the patriarch over Manasseh and Ephraim, and Manasseh and Ephraim, and he gave them his portion. Because he stayed back in Egypt. Remember, he he was buried in Egypt. He didn't leave with them. Yeah. It, how about before you go into that too? Yeah. Just kind of take a step back in case anyone's unfamiliar. Yeah. Where where do the twelve tribes come from? Aside from Joseph, like where did the other ones? So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Right. Jacob has twelve sons. Those are where the twelve tribes come from. So they're from the lineage of the genealogy of Abraham, and and each of them were apportioned a plot of land in the in the promised land they were given a piece of the land and so in what brought this up was you know as you and i often talk about the antichrist right (laughs) we are often in discussion about and you should be too i mean come on look at the day and age we live in but uh but we were talking about dan isn't represented here and i was like oh you know i read somewhere that Dan was taken out or not included because of like they went into idolatry, like the first when they went into the before they were in promised land or something like that. And I couldn't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. And then you pulled up a um, a letter from one of the church fathers. And yeah. you speculated, <clears throat> oh, I think he's I think the Antichrist is gonna come from Dan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Well, do you want to read the rest of that that kind of explains it? Or yeah, do you I, want me to go ahead and start? I, yeah, let me, I'll just read a little bit real quick here. It just says, um, and this is coming from a, a book called The Footsteps of the Messiah, and it's by a, a guy named Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum. And he's a Jewish, um, he's a Jewish believer, a Messianic Jew, I guess is what, what people would know them as. He's a Christian <laughs> who, uh, and, and it says that this passage describes the third of the five events happening throughout the first half of the tribulation. This ministry of the 144,000 
is something that occurs throughout the entire first half and not merely after the sixth seal judgment. In fact, it is going on during the seal judgments, and this means that this means by by which the fifth seal saints come to Messiah. The passage begins in with after this, which is not chronological, but merely, uh, but merely the next vision that John sees. And so um, then he goes into uh, the angels and how, what you know the meaning of the angels were and all those kind of things. And so it just kind of goes into that. But um, he he has a a thing here. Dr. Fruchtenbaum says this. It says just as uh, let's see uh, he talks start talking about the tribes. So let me read that real quick. In verses 4 through 8, the identification of those who are sealed is clearly specified as 144,000 Jews. To make it even more clear, 12 tribes are listed with the statements that 12,000 are chosen from each of the 12 tribes. Such careful delineation definitely indicates that these 144,000 are Jews and will be nothing else, in spite of much speculation on the contrary. The emphasis is on the Jewishness of the 144,000. Looking at this list of tribal names, some have concluded that the tribe of Ephraim is left out, but this is not the case. In place of the name Ephraim, there is the name of his father, Joseph, but this is the same tribe. But it is the same tribe, such as an interchange between Joseph and Ephraim. It is not unusual and also appears elsewhere, as in Ezekiel 37, verse 16. But one tribe is left out namely the tribe of Dan. No reason for this is given. The great deal of speculation and guesswork has developed, and this is where you and I mm-hmm. got into our conversation, a great deal of speculation and guesswork has developed as a result, mainly the idea that the Antichrist will come out of this tribe. But this has already been dealt with earlier. Other claims that the false prophet will arise out of the tribe of Dan, and that is why the tribe is left out. But this too is pure speculation. There is nothing in the context to suggest either of these suppositions. The text itself does not state the reason why the tribe of Dan is left out. The actual reason is simply to maintain the symmetry of the twelve. When all the tribal names are actually listed, the total symmetry, uh, the total comes to thirteen and not twelve, because Joseph produced two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, which is what I was just talking mm-hmm. about. In order to maintain the symmetry of the twelve, one name must always be dropped. This is not the only place that this happens. For example, in Deuteronomy 33, Moses presents his twelve tribal blessings as Jacob did in Genesis 49. But to maintain the symmetry of the twelve, Moses also had to drop one tribe, and that was the tribe of Simeon. In Ezekiel 47 and 48, in describing the tribal sentiment or settlement of the Messianic kingdom, in the Messianic kingdom, to maintain the symmetry of the twelve, Ezekiel drops the tribe of Levi, putting this tribe in a separate place and category. Just as there is no sinister reason for dropping Simeon, there is no sinister reason for dropping Dan. I do have one commentary, though. Yeah. <clears throat> when when Moses is using Genesis 49 uh, as his reference, because you got to remember, this is... Gen- so Deuteronomy 33 is the Song of Moses. It's when he's he's it's his last kind of um, before they go into the Promised Land before he's going to die because remember he doesn't go into the Promised right. Land. So it's like his last um, kind of testament or will, and he's he sings a song as well. And in Deuteronomy 33, he doesn't mention um, he speaks of what Abraham did, but you got to remember Joseph came after that. 
right? So Gen- Abraham wouldn't know Joseph. <laughs> he would have known Benjamin, you know, because he would have known his great grandson, right, Benjamin. But he wouldn't have known Joseph because Joseph was the one who was sold in. He, when when he, they were already in captivity, right? It, it, yeah, he thought he was dead. So why would he name his dead son or mm-hmm. his dead grandson? Whatever. Anyways, I just I thought that was interesting, and it seems to get convoluted to me. Right. Yeah. And um, and and what kind of sparked an interesting conversation that even brought us to the whole uh, talking about uh, the one hundred forty four thousand. Yeah. Was we were specul- uh, speculating, having a conversation about um, in Revelation, or uh, it, actually, <laughs> there's a couple of places. Uh, is it Ezekiel, I think, is where it actually says, um, regardless, I'm trying to think of which what? individual verse that we were talking about uh, where all of uh, the Jews will come back to Israel and then the whole world will turn against them. And then we were talking about um, if there was any kind of uh, good thing, uh, because there's 144,000 that will be all Jews, that will come from all the different tribes. Yeah. um, We were kind of speculating, is there any purpose or any uh, advantage to those 12,000 uh, being found out by the Antichrist beforehand. So, well, the, and, the yeah, the big question was like, how? There's no way for like, if you're a Jew today, we don't. There's no way for you to tell what tribe you right, came from. Right. When they went into captivity in Babylon, all that stuff was basically erased. It was like re- destroyed. The records were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, when and also to um, most of the records were destroyed when uh, before Rome occupied as well. So Babylon destroyed a temple. And then seventy AD, and then Rome, well, Rome oh, did sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, so that would have been Romans did that, but uh, Babylon destroyed it too, um, the first temple. Yeah. So, um, so then you have this uh, whole. Well, how do I know what tribe I came from? And you and I were talking about like, how are they going to know that these twelve thousand virgin males are from the tribe of Benjamin or from Levi or from you know whatever. And that it talks about in, in Revelation chapter seven, and and we were speculating. I I said, well, maybe they'll find some document, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Babylonian document that will actually be able to somehow link it to their lineage, right? Um, based on name or something like that. Um, and then we were then we started getting really sci-fi, and we were like, well, maybe <laughs> there's a genetic way that they'll they'll discover like twelve variations mm-hmm. of of a simple. Now this is all speculation, right? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. we have no proof of this. There's no scientific evidence. This was us talking out of our butts and going, kind of pulling a Joe Rogan, like, dude, what if? What if? Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> except without getting high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have... again. If you ever hear me taking a hit, it's my nicotine. <laughs> it is. Everyone knows I'm in recovery. That was the one vice I've never given up, and I don't want to. Yeah. You're, you've been sober, what, 12 years? 13, 12 and a half. 12 and a half yeah. years, yeah. So I'm, I'm keeping my nicotine. I need it going. I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Coke Zero and nicotine. Yeah. And I can attest to that. I, I can be his witness to verify. <laughs> Anyways, what if there was a genetic? Mm-hmm. What if they could scientifically, genetically figure out, okay, we see these variations. And if you have this, you submit your, you know, your DNA. And that's what I posited is. Yeah. What if these DNA databases 
like we all know that there's the this is pretty normy tier like i think it's like the, some person from the senate intelligence committee came out like uh oh a couple months ago and yeah. he was like don't give your dna to these people because they're using it to like build biological weapons specific to specific a, to like individual a... people Gee. um so that's like that's not even normy tier that's just everyone that's it's open common now, knowledge now that you know china's stealing dna from people but i asked would there be the conspiracy quote unquote you know tier with maybe the antichrist system or the people that are being used by the antichrist or possessed or you know these satanists <laughs> are an underlying yeah reasoning for creating all these database testing things is to find the actual tribes, tribes. and <laughs> you know and this, that's why i said is there some way that these 12,000 like if they could if the antichrist could kill the 12,000 people from maybe even one maybe if he just kills half of wipes out an entire tribe wipes out half a tribe of one specific tribe maybe therefore he would think that like oh you know these 144,000 will not be able to fulfill the purpose that God has for them so therefore uh, you know dude it, it, go ahead i just thought of something okay, you're yeah. on, that literally that's a tactic satan's used right several times when jesus was born he tried to he he Her, he kill herod herod was te, herod was tempted right. to you know go and kill all the little boys under 2 years old or whatever and so he tried to exterminate all the boys cuz he wanted to kill the messiah mm -hmm. when moses Remember when Moses was right. born, he had to hide, be hidden into in the in the Pharaoh's temple, and he was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter on on a basket because he you know he went down the river in a basket yeah. because the Pharaoh didn't like the way the Jews were growing in number and wanted to cut their numbers, and right. so um, it's a tactic that's been used. But maybe this one, instead of just being like the the ones already born that are just male or whatever, we're gonna go after genetically we're going to go we're going to pop the hood on mm -hmm. their dna and see what makeup is and see how we can figure out which tribes are from what genetic makeup is from what tribe right if this is true you and i are <laughs> not only are we prophetic <laughs> we need to write a book about this <laughs> or a movie there's probably already something written about yeah, this yeah probably i mean the thinking on this can't be too far deep yeah but and what was uh my questioning behind that was, is, is there any way, let me take a step back, because the thinking is we, Satan is not dumb. He like, you know, even the Bible says that the demons, you know, can quote scripture, Satan, he, he was there. He's not an atheist. Yeah. He believes in God. He knows God. Oh yeah. Cause he's rebelling against something. Right. Right. Um, so he knows he's going to lose, but it, we've talked about this. This, this is not groundbreaking by any means. But if he can slow the destruction mm -hmm. by knowing that there's specific things that God gave us to look forward to, to know if all these things are happening, oh, Jesus, you know, said to, uh, you know, pay attention to these things, the rumors of wars and wars and yeah. all these things, he, the birthing pains, the signs of the, the times. signs of the times. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Satan is going to, he's still king of this world right now. So he wants to elongate, expand, 
make his rule last as long as he can until yeah. he is ultimately defeated. And you and, brought he's, it, oh. and he's probably deceived to thinking that he can defeat God. Right. He yeah. tried to rebel once and was evicted. Right. Yeah. So and led a rebellion. Right. So um yeah, but and then you brought up the whole other point is that which is kind of like mute to moot to the, the, the point that I was going at is these twelve thousand are virgin males who can't be killed. <laughs> so right. um And I think if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, they can call down fire from heaven. It's either yeah, them or the two witnesses. The, the two, I can't remember. Maybe both. Yeah. I'll have to go look. But anyway, so that that's kind of where the conversation started. <laughs> We're talking yeah. about these weird things. And so I'm trying to do kind of more of a not rough transition to the point about Dan, um, that Dr. Fruchtbaum or whatever his name was. Fruchtenbaum, yeah. Fruchtenbaum, he pointed out that uh, this idea about Dan not being listed actually is not like a new uh, – I'll take a step back and say this too. Maybe throw some digs at uh, people. You know, all of this stuff that we're talking about is thrown into a pre-millennial, pre-tribulation, dispensational, dispensational idea. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to call us stupid pre-mill dispies or whatever, <laughs> like, I understand I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, I'm a stupid, stupid pre-mill, pre-mill dispie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so that's what I was saying is yeah. this is all under the that presupposition that that is all happening. Um, I completely, uh, so we were talking because of the, um, because of that theology, the Dan thing, is it not new? Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. So what, what I was going to say is one of these things that, oh, that people like to point at about premillennial dispensationalism is, you know, the Schofield reference Bible that, you know, the reason that Dan isn't listed there, that's because, this is some crazy interpretation by these new, a very new interpretation because of the Schofield reference right. Bible. Or because, Darby. Or Darbyism. Yeah. Or, that's a new invention. And so yeah. us reading into Dan being, you know, the birth tribe of the Antichrist, that's all a new invention because pre-mill dispensationalism is new. But but. Fruchtenbaum's a dispensational pre-mill guy. Right. But he's poo-pooing it. Right. But but we've popped the hood a little bit, <laughs> dug a little bit, and exactly. we found something very interesting. Exactly. So I and it was smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. Call a crackhead. <laughs> That's what they think we are. How are you, baby? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> I had to get those out. <laughs> <laughs> I got my hairy legs. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so. I found this academic article uh, pulling my putting my Michael Heiser hat on. There you go. Uh, from the Journal of Theological Studies, uh, put out by Oxford University, and it's called Antichrist from the Tribe of Dan. <laughs> but and, it's from Oxford. Yeah. What do they know? Right. And um, so I'm just going to go ahead and I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I'm going to just introduce this idea because this really. It encapsulates the beginning, and then I'm going to go into it. So the abstract is, the continued Jewish expectation of of a Messiah after Jesus came was interpreted by the Christians in the second century of Christianity as a foreboding of the coming of the Antichrist. Irenaeus, 
and we'll just take a step back. Irenaeus is one of the earliest church fathers. Mm-hmm. He was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. John, yes. But <laughs> and you, you told me something I didn't know that Irenaeus actually remembers seeing John, meeting him. Yeah, Ken Ken was talking about that. He 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 made some. Um, I I found. I don't know how I missed that. When I he found was on. out on that when I was listening to uh, Ken talk about before, but I, I remember bringing it up to him. Is uh, so Irenaeus basically had made uh, you know when he was talking to people and in some of his writings. So he wrote um, the this huge. Uh, book series of writings it's called against heresies Mm -hmm. so he was just laying it down slapping against gnosticism (laughs) he was really big into anti-gnosticism that was already creeping into the church when john was still alive yeah yeah um but he had made comments or he you know had wrote that he said he would say like oh yeah you know i'm 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 paraphrasing he's not going to talk like this but basically, I'm hanging out with Polycarp, and then all of a sudden, the old man comes <laughs> over, and I asked him, hey, what did you mean when you saw this, when you wrote this? And then John says, oh, thanks for asking. This is what I saw. This is what it means. <laughs> Can you imagine? First of all, that would yeah. be incredible. Like, it's... did you? I wonder if he realized he was – like, I know he knew – you know he knew he, who he was talking to was the yeah. Apostle John, who had been with Jesus and – I would imagine that he but, very much understood, like, the weight and the heft. And, I yeah. mean, that's why he wrote a whole series against heresies. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. But he, this is when he was younger, though, when he would right, meet right, John, right. the old man. Right. Probably his skin was all because he had been dipped <laughs> in oil. He right and burned, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So not to say that, uh, obviously, we don't place what Irenaeus says on – Right, like equal footing of the, of the canon of scripture. Correct. We are not saying anything like that, but it's important to keep in mind when someone like Irenaeus, who learned from Polycarp, and mm-hmm. even though Irenaeus was young when John was still alive, Polycarp was with John for a long time yeah until he died years yeah until so until john died yeah studied underneath him directly he was the first disciple of right. john so it, it is a big deal yeah. of what Irenaeus said and especially when we're talking about end time stuff again there's no one better than Irenaeus polycarp right that to find out what john saw and what he meant so and i guess the point of it is is just that what did the church fathers believe right and where do What's being taught today. Right, right. And that's always like my f- like second or third go-to. Like first I read the scriptures, mm-hmm. like, okay, what does the scriptures say about it? Then I start to read what did the church fathers believe about it because they're the closest to the original writings of those letters. Mm-hmm. And then I read more current stuff after that. But for me, as I'm trying to like unpack Something like I had a question about synagogue of Satan. I never really studied that too much. Yeah, started digging in. That's what actually brought up this f- Fruchtenbaum book. Yeah, because you had the book open on your desk before I yeah before I was here. Because I was this more serendipitous. Yeah, yeah. This, earlier today I was using it. But anyway, so I uh, just wanted to reiterate that before we go into this. So uh, 
So the continued Jewish expectation of a Messiah after Jesus came was interpreted by the Christians in the second century of Christianity as a foreboding of the coming of an Antichrist. Irenaeus, the first writer to refer to a Jewish Antichrist, found support in this for this foreboding in Jeremiah 8.16 and Revelations 7, 5-7, which seemed to indicate that the Antichrist will come from the tribe of Dan. Um, what was it, Jeremiah 8.16? Yeah. I'm just going to pull it up real quick. Yeah. I want to read it. And I do want to say when uh, we go into this, which is very interesting, I'm not sure if we've actually talked about this yet, but uh, I'm not sure if – I can't remember if RL was talking about – go ahead. Uh, I'll finish my thought. Okay. Um, is that in uh, – obviously the Jews rejected Christ as their Messiah. They were looking for a different kind of Messiah. They interpreted it differently. And – they do actually, the current, you know, Jews, you ask a Jew, their Messiah that they're currently waiting on actually is what we describe as the Antichrist. They yeah. they, they are in alignment. Um, yeah. So basically, because Christ came, mm-hmm. they rejected him. Now, the, the Messiah that they're going to wait for is going to be a, a worldly leader. Right. A political leader. That's what they've always been. Right. Kind of. So uh, Jeremiah 8.16 says, The snorting of the enemy's horses is heard from Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more. And the neighing of their stallions, the whole land trembles. So uh, basically it's uh, – here, I'll just – let me read more. It yeah, says, sure. The snorting of the enemy's horses has heard from Dan, and the neighing of their stallions, the whole land trim- trembles. They have come to devour the land and everything in it, the city and all who live there. Mm-hmm. So that would be because it specifically talks about the horses of the enemy from Dan. Right. I never – you know, I read that before, and I never really – I just thought that was where the, they came from. Right. Not that they were sent by. Mm-hmm. Sent it's by interesting. Dan. interesting, yeah. You know. I mean, that's uh, – just to kind of take a complete – use that as a perfect example. Um, it's always so interesting – and I love it every time I read the Bible, like uh, the Bible study group that I'm going through is just going through Romans. Mm-hmm. And every time we read a section of like, we're just going, you know, one chapter at a time every time we meet is I'll just read one verse and all of a sudden it'll hit me differently. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I've read this verse. I don't know how many times, especially in Romans, right? Right, yeah. And I'm like, how did I never see that before? <laughs> and just to use this as a, a thing of, that's why you have to read your Bible. It's not, even if you read it before, you know, it's God's word. It's it's not changing, but it changes. We change and always get new stuff out of it. You can never, you always yeah. find new stuff out of it. That's right. Anyways, how to get, how to get that in of that's read your good. Bible. Yeah. So I'll read some from this. So it says, Our first explicit mention of a Jewish antichrist comes in the writings of Irenaeus, where it occurs already in tandem with the opinion that he will spring from the tribe of Dan. Uh, In Against Heresies 525, Irenaeus details the career of the antichrist from 2 Thessalonians. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, tying the notice of the antichrist taking his seat in the temple with Christ's abomination of desolation in Matthew 24.15. From Dan, mm-hmm. from Daniel 7. Which ties into Thessalonians. Right. Um, from Daniel 7, the little horn of the fourth beast. Mm-hmm. And from Jesus' parable of the unjust 
judge in Luke 18.2, wherein the judge of the Antichrist and the widow is the earthly Jerusalem. Quote, hmm. He shall remove his kingdom into that city and shall sit in the temple of God, leading astray those who worship him as if he were Christ. Details are then taken from Daniel 8, 8 and 9. Antichrist is John's beast from the sea, and the beast from the earth is his armor bearer. In Against Heresies 5.30, Irenaeus notes that the Antichrist will be a Danite, but he will claim the Roman power. Hmm. He might just have the title Titan, uh, a fitting name for it, quote, contains a certain outward appearance of vengeance and of one inflicting merited punishment because he, the Antichrist, pretends that he is that he vindicates the oppressed. That's a quote from Irenaeus. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, just if anyone is reading this section, just to kind of tie it in, I, I'm, I'm not sure if the sections I highlighted uh, tie this in, but this he ties this in all with the name of six six six. Oh, so really? this is still oh, yeah. in that same section where Irenaeus is saying like 666 is the number of the beasts. This is how you calculate it. And it's all presumed that it's from the tribe of Dan. Hmm. So very much, th this is no, there's no misinterpreting what he is talking about, who he's talking about and connecting it yeah. in a way. So, and I just need to reiterate, we're not landing on this. We're simply reading what Irenaeus wrote. Yeah, and I'm compelled to follow it because it make it's making sense to me. Right. But obviously, if if I did deeper dive, there's going to be criticisms of it, right? So, yeah. but the one thing that I was thinking of, and you know, I go back and forth on will the Antichrist be a Jew or will he be a Gentile? Like what? Because mm -hmm. he he actually proposes a peace deal with all the other nations, and it's going to be hard. It's hard for me to imagine that a Jew working on behalf of Israel would be able to find a agreement with the, like the other nations wouldn't trust them. Right. right? So <clears throat> my mind goes to, it would be a Gentile at that point because somebody from the outside that they would trust that would say, okay, we'll do a seven year peace agreement. We won't destroy Israel or whatever. But then you have the whole temple issue. Mm -hmm. You can't enter the temple. Like the, the gen if they rebuild the temple on the temple Mount there, the, as far as a Gentile can go is the courts. The outer courts, the Gentile courts, that's it. So if he's going to go into the temple, then he would need to be a Jew, mm -hmm. you know? And right. so unless he just forced his way in and was like, that's it, I'm I'm God, you know? And he's just going to do miraculous signs and wonders. So he will deceive many. Right. And – oh, sorry, go ahead. But it would make it, it – it would actually pull the Jewish people into a deception much greater if he was a Jew, a fellow Jew. Right. Like, I don't think they would follow a Gentile right. into idolatry like right. that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although historically, they've done that many times in the Bible. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not uh, outside the realm of possibility. <laughs> right. But at the same time, I mean, it. Uh, it there's going to be a one-world government, mm -hmm. you know. So it, I, me personally, I always do land more on, like, I could see... Just looking around, you know, maybe this is no surprise, but I I think we're pretty close to the last days. I'm not saying it's tomorrow, but I don't know. I, I've always kind of said, I don't know. I don't think my generation will be the one that doesn't experience death. But, like, maybe my grandkids, like, that's how well, far. You know, uh, 
Ken says right. <laughs> that when the reestablishment of Israel in 1948 was when the beginning of the last days began, when they began, right, right. the last days began. So that's been, what, 100 years? 1948 to... 80 years? 80 years, yeah. I keep wanting to think it's like in the 2000s. It right. happened 60 years ago. Right. The yeah. 90s just happened 10 years ago. Right. Um, so 1948, we're 80, right. you know. Yeah. But my whole my whole point about talking about when i say we're close i don't mean like sell everything it's going to happen tomorrow i just mean we're obviously i guess obviously throughout time you're always getting closer to the end right but we've never been closer never been closer um the whole point i was getting at is that looking around at contemporary politics there are so many globalist which is very much a leftist thing mm-hmm. which most secular Jews so Jews that are um through not, not lineage Orthodox. blood yeah, yeah. I mean that they're Jewish but they maybe you know literally I have I have most of my Jewish friends are like this so I'll say they you know don't they they celebrate Hanukkah they don't celebrate Christmas they eat bagels and that's about it so they're, they're secular secular Jews. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they say, you know, I'm Jewish, and but they don't go to temple. They're not. They don't care about anything. Yeah. Those are very much. There are leftists. Mm-hmm. Those secular Jews just vote. You know, Democrat. There, and there are tons of. Would they be the ones that were like abortion is a... the Jewish right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Jewish yeah, right. Very much so. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other thing that we can talk about. Um, but they're also the ones. And again, I'm just looking at contemporary politics. I could totally see a secular Jew from from lineage ruling over a globalist government mm-hmm. or a globalist thing. That's Soros. All. Right, right. I'm just saying. <laughs> George Soros. Right. There are a lot of secular Jews that tend to lead towards this globalization. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm getting at. Is, I mean, we, the Bible tells us it's going to happen, so. Right. It, yeah. No matter who does it. Right, right. But the the key is in this is that every nation will rise against Israel. Right. And that's what we're seeing kind of being put together. Right. That's all the horns and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just explaining my position yeah. is I buy into that he would be a, a secular uh, uh, Jew. Yeah. Because it, it also says that he, um, in Daniel, it also says he's homosexual. We're just getting <laughs> out of that. We've said that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also that he will re- – what does it say about that he rejects the God of his fathers or mm-hmm. – so yeah. it sounds if he rejects the God of his fathers, that means his fathers had a God, so, which would be lead me to believe that he's a Jew. Yeah. So there, this also brings up a new another thing too. Um, there's a prophecy in the Book of Enoch about the merging of Islam and Christianity. Right. And uh, basically, they've built these. And it's called Chrislam or whatever, and um, that's been happening. I mean, the Pope just basically ratified that right. recently. I think it was in May, but um, they also built the temples of the Abrahamic religions in Saudi Arabia, hmm. and it's three. It's a Catholic, an, a mosque, you know, Catholic church, a mosque, and a Jewish temple or right. synagogue or whatever, and um, they are trying to merge those three together. Mm-hmm. And to me that so I think Chris Lam's the first step. Right. You got to get the two the two uh like 
brothers of you have Abrahamic religions. You have yeah. Judaism obviously sits at the top because Abraham was the first Jew, and then you have Christianity, then you have Islam, right? And so mm -hmm. the two branches that come out, they have to be merged, and then you can fold them underneath. Yeah, and that's probably when we'll see like the Noahide laws come into play, right? Where you can't, you know, like where there's a death penalty for like it's not the same Noahide laws. The it's not the same Noah from right it's been revised through the through the years and yeah it's going to be bad um we could probably do an episode on that too like the difference of the between the noahide laws and the noahide laws <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> right but the noahide laws originally from genesis are only seven laws mm -hmm. and so and they're basically like don't kill you know it's the, uh, it, it's a whole other episode yeah, yeah yeah so uh it's what the moral standard that everyone's held to basically Right. In, in in the world, outside of the Jews who got the Ten Commandments, right? They got extra laws. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so, anyways, let's go back to Irenaeus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, it says uh, Irenaeus knows that the Antichrist will be a Danite, but he cl will claim Roman power. Uh, he might just have the name Titan, a fitting name for it. Quote contains a certain outward appearance of vengeance and one of inflicting merited punishment because. The Antichrist pretends he is a that he vindicates the oppressed. Hmm. The oppressed here are probably the Jews. Somewhat surprisingly, Irenaeus brings forth two scriptural passages in support of the Antichrist's Danite origin. The first is Jeremiah eight sixteen, which we read. I'll read it again. We shall hear the voice of his swift horses from Dan. The whole earth shall be moved by the voice of the neighboring, the neighing of his galloping horses. <laughs> he shall also come and devour the earth and the fullness thereof, the city also that they dwell therein. He finds further f support for this in the omission of Dan from the list of the 12 tribes of the sealed in Revelation 7, 5 through 7, which we started off the episode with. Yeah. Antichrist from the tribe of Dan then makes its first known appearance in Irenaeus, but it is in Hipp Hippolytus that he finds his most scrupulous and eloquent biographer. Hippolytus's copious description proceeds on the principle that the, that the, quote, deceiver seeks to liken himself in all things to the Son of God. As Jesus was the lion from the tribe of Judah, referring to Jacob's blessing on Judah in Genesis 4, 49-9, the Antichrist will be the lion from the tribe of Dan referring to Moses's blessing on the tribe of Dan in Deuteronomy 32:22. As Jesus is king, this antichrist will also be a king, earthly instead of heavenly. This lion too will manifest himself as a lamb, Revelation 13:11. He will gather up the scattered sheep of Israel as Christ has gathered his true flock and as quote the savior raised up and showed his holy flesh like a temple. So this one will, quote, raise a temple of stone in Jerusalem, all these from uh, on Christ and the Antichrist, uh, which is another Irenaeus writing. Yeah. Again, he will raise up the kingdom and the nation of the Jews in order that he may be worshipped by them as God. Um, he will call together the Jewish people from their slavery to the Gentiles, and they will worship him as God and think he is their Christ. Hmm. It's from a commentary on Daniel. So I'm going to skip down a little bit. And, uh, sorry. So here we get, this is where there was something else we were talking about even before we broached this topic. 
And this is where I was like, oh, dude, you're going to love this. This, this <laughs> totally ties in. All right. This is what we were meant to talk about tonight. <laughs> 45 minutes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, yeah. this whole topic that right. it was on the line. Yeah. So it says, the strongest Old Testament footing for a Danite Antichrist would have to be the mention of two passages of a serpent or serpents in close proximity to the name of Dan. Hmm. Genesis 49.17 and Jeremiah 8.17. Yet the latter passage does not seem to have played any part in rabbinic comment on Dan and Jewish, Jewish exegesis of Genesis 49.16-18, Jacob's blessing of Dan, turns out to be overwhelmingly positive. Genesis 49.16-18 reads, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Oh, crap. session. Oh, no. No, no, it's okay. I got it. Yeah. Uh, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that the rider falls backward. Hmm. I wait for thy sal salvation, O Lord. The Jewish interpretation of these verses centered virtually, virtually exclusively on the figure of Samson, who, with all his faults, was more a Christ than an Antichrist figure. Mm -hmm. Even the comparison with the serpent is explained in terms of Samson's exploits against the Philistines by this other guy, Glor Targum Onkelos, <laughs> glorified by Philo through a linking with Moses's healing brass serpent. Okay. And even when allusion is made to the serpent in Eden in Genesis, there is no apparent disapproval. Uh Quote, as the serpent is found among women, uh, so was Samson the son of Manorah, Manoah found among women, a woman. Which would be Delilah. Right. Yeah. As a serpent is bound by an oath, so was Samson the son of Manoah bound by an oath. Just as all the serpent's strength resides in his head, so it was with Samson. So that was a Jewish um, interpretation of that. Of the Samson story? Yeah. But it ties it in with the the snakes. Mm -hmm. Samson, as the biblical text in Judges makes apparently clear, was a Danite. His father, Manoah, was a Danite. But when Jacob says that Dan will judge his people, quote, like one of the tribes of Israel, the tribe he will judge, like, is the preeminent tribe of Judah. Mm -hmm. And according to this rabbi, although Samson's father was a Danite, Samson's mother was from the tribe of Judah. Thus, in Samson, the two tribes united. In Je Genesis, uh, Rabbi Jacob <laughs> is said to have been so impressed with Samson in his vision that he thought this prodigi prodigious warrior was the Messiah. Uh, wow. Quote, but when he saw him dead, he exclaimed, he too is dead. Then I wait for your salvation, O Lord. This assertion that Samson, the great Danite, had a mother descended from Judah helps explain the saying of this other rabbi on mm -hmm. Genesis 49.9, Jacob's blessing of Judah. Quote, this alludes to the Messiah, to Messiah, the son of David, who is descended from two tribes, his father being from Judah and his mother from Dan, in connection with both of which lion is written. Judah is the lion's whelp. Dan is a lion's whelp. A saying which, however, cannot have been intended to refer to Samson, as the Messiah here is expressly the son of David. Thus, in the claim of a royal, Jewahite, paternal descent, and Danite maternal descent, we finally have a Jewish exegetical warrant for, not an antichrist to be sure, but a Christ from the tribe of Dan. 
So it says uh, uh, this one rabbi lived in the third century, so he is too late to have been known by Irenaeus or Hippolytus, but he may have not been the one who originated this exegesis, based as it is on the obvious similarity between Jacob's blessing of Judah and Moses's blessing of Dan. Hippolytus is quite aware, as was Origen, on the interpretation of Genesis, which sees it as a reference to Samson, who was a Danite and a judge. He resists this exegesis, saying that Samson only partially fulfilled the prophecy. What is more, Hippolytus is, knows an exegesis, exegesis of Deuteronomy 32.22, which confused someone from the tribe of Dan with the Messiah. Quote, but that no one may err by supposing that this is said of the Christ, let him carefully attend to the matter. Dan, he says, is a lion's whelp, and in name, naming the tribe of Dan, he declared tr clearly the tribe from which the Antichrist is destined to spring. For as Christ springs from the tribe of Judah, mm -hmm. so Antichrist is to spring from the tribe of Dan. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I've, so he does an actual pretty good breakdown, and he uses he uses rabbi rabbinical teachings right. on that, which are important because you know, like Heiser says, like like we try and get in the mindset of is what was the Second Temple Jew believing? Mm -hmm. What were they taught? What were they thinking? Uh, so I wonder if when a disciple that converted from Judaism to Christianity after Revelation was written. Right. When they get to the Antichrist, if they would have thought about that as it being from Dan. Right. And it's the interesting point is even though in this article, um, there's there at the end there, he, he makes the point is obviously there is some allusion to some sort of Messiah that's going to come that is not who Christ ends up being. Right. So there. Well, if you if you look at the story of Samson, mm -hmm. which is interesting because I'm it's this is an interesting altogether. I've never even heard this before, so I'm just off the top of my head. But if you look at the story of Samson, what's interesting is that he uh, is he takes a vow, mm -hmm. he breaks the vow, so he basically makes a promise and then breaks his promise, mm -hmm. right? So it starts off with the honey, so he's not supposed to touch anything dead because he takes a Nazarene vow, right? Or a uh, yeah, Nazarene vow. And so he lets his hair grow and all that. And he's not supposed to touch anything dead, right? So he takes the – he sees the the lion carcass and dips, dips his hand and gets the honey because there's a bee, bee's nest in there. And then uh, – and also, too, he's with with Delilah, who was, you know, a Philistine. So he was sleeping with the enemy, you know, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, and so his figure is very – is tortured. You know, he ends up going – you know, he gets his eyes plucked out, right? So there's just a, the whole story there. But when you think about the breaking of the vow, of the Nazarene vow, mm -hmm. and then the Antichrist figure that we know of, he's going to make a a peace treaty. And halfway through, he's going to break it. Mm -hmm. right? He's going to make a seven-year treaty, and then half three and a half years in, he's going to break it. Break it, yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and... Um... I don't know if you actually want to go into this. Uh, did you have something you wanted to bring up? But well, I just was looking at the genealogies. Sure. Matthew's gives the genealogy of um, of uh, jo of uh, of 
Joseph, the father. And and then, uh, but if you go to, I think it's Luke's gospel. I just want to look real quick. No. No, it's going to be Mark. Is it Mark's gospel? I'm just trying to find the other genealogy. Mm, no, that both both. What it must is it? It must be. Is it? It. I didn't think it was John's, but maybe it is. This is weird. I should know this. It's just I haven't looked at this in a long time. Um. Yeah. No. I, it's not that. All right. Well, let me. You keep talking. Let me look real quick. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it because I know Matthew's gospel is Joseph's genealogy. And if I'm not mistaken, I thought it was Luke's gospel, but I didn't see it when I turned there. Well, how about I will help you out? It's in uh, Matthew. No, Matthew's the is the father is Joseph's genealogy connected to David. Yeah. There's two of them with genealogies. So let's see. Oh, here it is. It is. Sorry. Um, what? Mm. <laughs> Google. I looked it up. It's Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I I, I made a huge mistake. I, I could have swore that uh, Mary's genealogy was recorded as well. Oh, uh, let me look that up. It's in Luke. Where is it in Luke? Because uh, I just looked at Luke. I feel like an idiot. I teach the Bible. <laughs> I I know that this is the third chapter of Luke. Luke three. Oh, I only went. To, I was like, oh yeah, there it is. Okay, so the reason I <laughs> wanted this is to look, great podcasting. I'm so glad. We have that. to cut this out, man. <laughs> no, it's um, right. the baptism and genealogy of Jesus. I didn't realize it was that far along in, into Luke, but when you go back, um, son of Levi. So um, this is. He was the son of, so it was thought of Joseph, and it goes backwards. So it goes the opposite way. So you get, at the end, you get God, and Matthew's, at the beginning, you get God. It goes from God down, and this one, it goes from them backwards. So uh, you go, let me see here, where is David, the son of Jesse, Obed, Salmon, Aminadad, Hezron, Judah. Son of Judah, obviously. So they both were connected to Judah. David and Mary were both connected through Judah. So, but but not with Samson. Samson was Dan and Judah. Right. So that's why you have that split. Right. And this is probably a worthless conversation. At this point. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also wanted to bring up... Uh, so when when we originally were talking about that, you had brought up uh, the part from Second Peter. Oh, oh yeah, Second yeah. Peter. You want me to read? So that? well, I was going to bring up. Uh, this is what I was going to ask. There's an interesting, um, and maybe we'll, we were also started. What what I I, I found something else. Is how okay. I'll say it. And I'm I'm describing the conversation that we had and yeah. kind of our way of thinking. You had brought it. You started reading um, something from Second Peter, 
And then we started looking into some other extra biblical texts uh, that we will probably do a whole episode on because then we yeah. got totally enthralled in reading <laughs> um, this other uh, book, uh, extra biblical. We're by no means saying it's canon, right? right. Obviously, well, it is included. If, you're, if I'm thinking of the same book, we're ta- if we're thinking of the yeah, same book, yeah, it is included in the in Orthodox the co- Ethiopian Orthodox, right? Yeah, um, is there was it apocryphal writing? Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, so I was going to tee it up as we were getting super in, into the reading <laughs> of the, uh, when we were going through yeah. that. So maybe we'll do a whole episode on, yeah. on that, but it's the, uh, apocalypse of Peter, which is again, like we said, not Canon, just interesting again yeah. to think, uh, so, although some church fathers, we are trying to find why this specific book was not included in the Canon. Um, although it did, we did we were able to see that there were some church fathers who did um, believe it to be inspired, but the consensus was not there. Yeah, the count, um, the councils didn't right. So rule on it. We're way. not making the case for that. Just an interesting piece of, and we should probably say why. I mean, it, the date of the writing. Right. It was like two hundred. It was around two thirty. Second or AD. Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, you know one hundred six, one hundred fifty years after Peter died. So, <laughs> right. So letters to just circulate through 150 years after he died, they could have been easily manipulated, even if right. they were original. You know, another letter from Peter. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of these documents floating around, by the way. Right. Although this one in particular was one um, that is was not because uh, Ken talks about this book. It, it's yeah. the Apocalypse of Peter. Yeah. Um, is what. I'm going to just read a little section about. Yeah. Um, so much in the same way, like kind of Ken broke down, you know, obviously there are some uh, apocryphal books uh, that, like like you said, obviously we don't think that Peter was the one who wrote it, um, but it wasn't dismissed like the Gospel of Thomas, right. like these other ones that were so clearly heretical right. um, that like to get lumped into Enoch or the you well, know these other writings I mean, that were it could be that he gave a sermon and someone right. tried to take notes in the sermon and that became part of what was circulated through right and they also another issue is that they don't have this is the full document yeah, yeah they have fragments right. so it's hard to put it back together and I don't think anything was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. If I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I'll have to look at it. Yeah. But the Dead Sea Scrolls are great because they actually have really preserved well copies of things. Right. That are pre-Christian. Right. Right. the The whole point I'm getting at, uh, that I'm trying to just again reiterate to people that are going to listen to this, that may go, "Oh, you're just read, you're going to read from this apocryphal stuff," and you know, that's all crazy nonsense. Right. Right. I'm just making the point that there is a distinction between some of the these crazy early writings. And then something like this that was revered by at least some church fathers that made the case for it, and um, I mean, it's in a canon, line. It's in the canon right. of the Ethiopian Orthodox. I mean, yeah. it's one of the oldest churches. Right. So is Enoch. Right. So, but you know. Anyway, I, I just want to make sure we cover our bases before. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so this is the relevant uh, teaching that goes into again 
more about the Antichrist and uh, at least that he will be of Jewish lineage. So um, I'm not going to say, I'll just read it. Yeah. Uh, Did you not perceive the fig tree is the house of Israel? And indeed, I have told you, when its branches bud in the end, false messiahs will come, and he will promise, I am the Christ who has come into the world. And when they see his evil deeds, they will turn away, and they will reject him who is called the glory of our ancestors, who crucified the first Christ and erred exceedingly. But this liar is not the Christ, and when they resist him, he will wage war with the sword, and there will be many martyrs. Then at that time, when the branches of the fig tree... This alone is the house of Israel, have budded. There will be many martyrs by his hand, and they will die, and there will be martyrs. Mm. A lot of martyrs. A lot of martyrs. Indeed, Enoch and Elijah will be sent in order to instruct them that this is the deceiver who will come into the world and perform signs and wonders to deceive it. Hmm. So. And, you know, there's a couple instances with Jesus in the Gospels with fig trees. The, yeah. He curses the one. Remember, he walks up, he doesn't find any fruit right. on it, and he yeah. curses it. The next day, it's withered, completely yeah. withered. And wasn't there something else you read about that fig tree, too? Wasn't there more to that? Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't want to set it up as... Say, so in the book, The Apocalypse of uh, John, which this is... Or no, Peter, yeah. sorry. This is from... I read the full one. Yeah. And in that text... These words that I just read were quoted as saying they were coming from Jesus, who was explaining to the disciples after they asked him, "Hey, can you explain the uh, the meaning the meaning of the fig tree that you had just talked about?" Yeah. Um, so that's where I was kind of going back and forth with. I don't want to say that yeah. these were the words that Christ, because I yeah, I'm not attributing. What's interesting is Israel's their tree is the olive tree. Mm-hmm. But they're known for the fig, like that's the thing. And what someone in, explained it to me that the olive tree is obedient Israel, hmm. the fig tree is disobedient Israel. Hmm. And it's interesting because whenever they're connected with with the fig tree, it's always in a fruitless manner. Like God expects fruit from it, but there is no fruit from it. And so when Israel is being in, under sitting under judgment, it's it's mentioned as a fig tree. When Israel's mentioned as a in obedience, as being fulfilled in the way God wants them, they're the olive tree. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Sorry. The, I was looking up. Um, it is crazy. Although I couldn't remember which, if the figs were actually um, tied in with Islam. And they are. Oh, wow. I couldn't remember. If Interesting. It, I couldn't remember if it was uh, figs or if they were dates. <laughs> Um, but it says the fig plant, uh, the fig plant is one of the fruits mentioned in the Quran, along mm-hmm. with olives, grapes, pomegranate, bananas, and dates. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. But I mean, so yeah. that's interesting to think about. And mm-hmm. also too, John 15, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart right. from me, you can do nothing. And, uh, so fruit, right? Olive trees, they, they have fruit too, the olives, right? Yeah. But he's talking about remaining in him and him remaining in you a fruitless tree mm-hmm. and the only way that the olive tree doesn't bear fruit is if it's not remaining in him right. right but this fig tree is like a planted tree it's already there right you know it's in existence so it's just kind of a cool maybe studies you guys might want to do when you listen you know when you in 
in their own time, but um, that's pretty cool. And the the apocalypse of Peter or whatever, it, revelation of Peter, um, it's kind of interesting to think about that um, though, like when we were talking about Irenaeus and Hippolytus and these early church fathers, mm-hmm. um, how they landed down on the Antichrist would be from the tribe of Dan. Yeah. And I'm wondering where it started to get buried because, you know, early church fathers believed in a premillennial rapture. Um, they, early, were, they were Protestants. <laughs> yeah, they were Protestants. They weren't Catholics. Um, they believed, um, you know, I, I think that much of, I like to believe that much of what I, my theology, my eschatology is more in alignment with the early church fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is important, yeah. But it got buried somewhere in there, and I can, you know, obviously we could historically look. Well, when the Catholic Church really got its a power, probably Augustine. Yeah, Augustine. Man, I I tell you, Augustine to me is not like I used to really like revere his writings, and but I think he's done more harm than good in a lot of ways. Uh, for both Catholics and Protestants, yeah, because he's the one guy that both of them, both of them look up to, right. And he also was a Gnostic, right. And he employed Gnostic uh, tactics for mm-hmm. his debates in, uh, you know, against uh, the Gnostic, you know, against his, in the way that he debated for, because that was a big thing back then. It was these big debates, but um, yeah. So, anyways. Um, so I, I I mean anything else that, that was kind of cool though I mean we talked about how we looked at how uh, possibly the Antichrist coming out of the tribe of Dan which was spurred on by the fact that Dan was not mentioned in the, the one hundred forty four thousand from Revelation chapter seven and uh, we ended up reading from the Apocalypse of Peter <laughs> that's how heresies develop no I'm just kidding <laughs> that's how false teaching develops but. Um, people obviously won't agree with us on all these things. Look, look for it for yourself. I would recommend. Um, I will still auto, even though I disagree with Dr. Fruchtenbein, respectively. You know, I think that um, his his uh, take on it not being, you know, the Antichrist not being from Dan, uh, just because it wasn't mentioned, and then his the way that he presents it is, oh well, in other places of scripture they left him out. Um, I don't know if that really carries weight with me as much right especially like like we had said um i found this post all about uh but uh yeah especially like we had said going back to irenaeus who was you know one of the you know possibly was asking questions to john yeah early i mean he's yeah he's an apostle an early apostle yeah. You know, I mean, not a big A apostle, right? but definitely a church planner. Right. So it, this view that we just laid out is not silly. Like, the, you, there is credence behind it. Yeah. And it's not some pre milled this be, you know, <laughs> nonsense that was just made up to, uh, I don't know. Yeah, the whole, we'll, we'll debunk Darby the Darby theory at some point. I mean, I, I was hoping Kent, Dr. Kim would get into that when he was on our podcast and you guys should go back and listen to that. The church father one again, yeah. Dead Sea Scrolls and church. Father. We're going to have him back on soon. He he wanted to get through the month of September. He had a lot going on. And so I'll call him back up. We'll get him, we'll get him back booked on here and we'll talk about some stuff. But anyways, so there you have it. 
Yeah. All that war believes the Antichrist is from the tribe of Dan. There you go. <laughs> but nobody knows because we can't determine yeah. the we can't determine what clan or what tribe anyone's from, anyways. At least not now. Not so. right now. So until the until the genetics uh, come around, yeah. Ancestry.com. Yeah. Invest in it. Ancestry.com was started by Mormons, by the way. Oh. There cool. you go. There you go. Even deeper rabbit Co-funded hole. Co-funded by the CIA. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I remember reading that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember hearing um, that too. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just wanted to sum it up like this. Maybe we'll uh, leave. Is when you, when you were when you were going from we're talking about genetical testing and then we're talking about that this and we're talking about that and then we end up reading from the Apocalypse of Peter is if anyone has ever wondered what it's like to go out to dinner. With like, if you wanted to sit, like we we go and get uh, wings, wings on, on a wind. weekly basis. Yeah. Don't say where, don't no, say when or where, okay. because <laughs> you don't want you, anyone showing. I don't up. want anyone showing up. But if you were to sit, or before or after we, we hit record, yeah, if you've ever wanted to know, or in our group chats, what we talk about, yeah, welcome to a conversation <laughs> that just happened. It starts here, goes there and there and there and there. Comes out somewhere totally. It, it's like else. someone drops a bomb, like a grenade, into a thread, a you know group yeah. chat thread, and then all of a sudden everybody's picking up the pieces, trying to figure out yeah. what they're going to say. But yeah, um, but yeah, that was cool. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. So, hey, if you have any comments on that, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or our email. We have all our Telegram or Telegram. Yeah, go join us on Telegram. By the way, it's 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 fun. Cool stuff. It's being. the only social media I use. Yeah. So you can see my posts. Yeah. You, if you want to see a window into Rosie's world, he <laughs> runs a telegram. You can tell. It's very different from our Instagram. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks. We'll catch you next time. Love you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. If you had a blast, then we'd love to have you back for another episode. So please subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Out War Podcast or on Twitter at AOWcast. These episodes are also available on YouTube unless they contain a little too much truth. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.